Welcome to the Dirt Reporters Podcast for the first week of August. I'm DirtOnDirt.com staff writer Joshua Joyner, joined by the rest of the Dirt on Dirt editorial staff as we gather virtually for our weekly chat in the middle of yet another busy week of racing. We're coming off the 50,000 to win Prairie Dirt Classic at Fairbury Speedway, where Kyle Larson taught Bobby Pierce to earn his first major event win in a dirt late model. Of course, that leads into yet another 50,000 to win event this weekend at uh, Cedar Lake Speedway for the USA Nationals. And our uh, Kevin Kovac has been there, uh, not just these two events, but also was at I-80 for the big race out there, Silver Dollar Nationals and I-80 Nationals. Kevin, are you worn out yet? No, ah, we're getting a little, getting refreshed uh, now, I guess. So, <laughs> staying out <laughs> here on the road. Uh, my wife came out, actually, this time, uh, like, to, to Fairbury. Never, she, she had never even met Michael Rigsby and Amber and Derek. She met them for the first time in seven years in person, and, and so... Uh, and now she just has to meet. Uh, I mean, she. Oh, and she met Joshua. I mean, I was gonna God, say Joshua I don't get it. Get it mentioned there. there. <laughs> yeah, you were there also. I mean, not in full uh, dirt on dirt regalia, you know, because you were like helping your brother. But uh, yes, yeah. Also, Joshua was there. So we just uh, we just need uh, Robert and Todd now too to to add to the mix. But uh, everything else is going good. Uh, I mean, the weather was great at Fairbury. Not hot at all. And. Then, uh, you, you couldn't ask for anything better in a, a good way. So this is they're always a good stretch, a very fun stretch with uh, especially these two here, this Fairbury Cedar Lake. It's a it's a pretty cool back to back. It definitely is, and uh, I think you mentioned it. The weather is uh, being from Florida and being down here back home after going to Fairbury in 90 plus degree weather. Uh, I'm already <laughs> missing the uh, the mid 70s of Illinois, and I'm sure it's even nicer going into uh, Wisconsin there. But uh, but yeah, as, as Kevin mentioned, I was at Fairbury as well. I went. Uh, I actually took. I guess you'd call it vacation to go with my brother, Joseph Joyner and, and kind of be uh, a crew member for him and hang out with him. So it was a, a totally different experience. I've gone racing with my brothers quite a bit. I used to race myself, but never gone to a big event like that as part of a, I guess, a team, if you want to call it that. So that was, it was a different perspective for sure. I feel like I didn't get to see hardly any of the racing other than when my brother was on the track, but uh, it was still quite, kind of cool to see that, that perspective of it. But, uh, while Kevin and I were at Fairbury, I believe, uh, Robert, I believe you had the uh, the tail end of the, the Southern Nationals tour there this, this weekend, correct? That is correct. I wrapped that up, uh, put, a, put a nice bow on that with four straight nights uh, from, uh, we went to Boyd's and then up to 411 in, in Seymour, Tennessee, over to Tazewell, and then came back over to Bulls Gap for a volunteer speedway to, to that rain out. So... It was nice to, to wrap that deal up. Uh, excellent tour this year. Uh, and speaking of hot, I, two of those days, I was about as hot as I've ever ever been. It wasn't 104 like, um, like that summer nationals race over in um, Illinois this year. But it was hot, just the same, probably as hot as I've, I've been at a race. I had to definitely hydrate. And then Sunday, it was actually very excellent. Weather was great. Had nice, uh, nice cool evening there and, and Bulls Gap got over pretty early. So, so I headed home and, and I'm back home now. I'm glad to be here for about 10 days before I go somewhere. There you go. Got a, a nice little break and uh, you earned it after all the great Southern Nationals coverage, even with the heat. And then, of course, we have our managing editor, Todd Turner, who uh, was kind of holding things down uh, remotely this this past weekend. Todd, I know there was a lot going on. Were you able to keep up with it all? 
Yeah, I, I must say though the the weeknight racing, while it seems fun when it gets going, you know, through the through the grind of the summer, it's kind of nice when we settle back into as school gets going, getting settle back into the weekend only racing a little bit more. We got a little bit more of that weeknight stuff, but that the Southern Nationals and Summer Nationals uh, conflicting and and running. Although I mean, it's just it's been a lot lately, so so lots to keep up on the website. Uh, so uh, make sure and check it every day. Yeah, there's there's new content every every day, every hour. Sometimes it seems like there's something new going up between race results, notebooks, sidebar stories, new breaking news, all kinds of stuff. And of course, the video team, they have all their stuff on there as well. So it's been been a busy time. And uh, speaking of a busy time, we'll uh, we'll begin our busy episode of the podcast with a uh, little look back on Fairbury. And as I mentioned, Kevin, you were there covering the event. Give us kind of a, a your take on on seeing Kyle Larson get that that big win. Of course, him and Bobby Pierce kind of went back and forth. Pierce was running him down there at the end. Uh, I would say it was a pretty good race. What, what was your overall takeaway uh, on the uh, the feature there at Fairbury? Yeah, yeah, it wasn't bad. You know, there was a, there was some worry I think before the race uh, that there the track could you know it might not be the typical Fairbury the the action that you usually see there. I know uh, on Friday night and before that last of the uh, twenty five lappers, they actually went out on the racetrack that the third one started rubbering up a little bit. Uh, so they went out on the racetrack and <clears throat> and started working on it a little bit. They, they farmed it a little bit just to make sure everything will be okay. And 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 it was much and it was better. At least they were proactive there. And I know on Saturday they, they they did a little more work than they were than just to make sure they'd have a racetrack. And and they did that probably just before the feature, a hundred lapper. I mean that was I was more than a half an hour, forty five minutes maybe. Uh, they did like a little turnover of the racetrack. So. And it did. It didn't rubber up. Uh, it, it was a. It was a pretty good racetrack. There's a little bit difference in, in Fairbury this year. I guess a lot of the drivers had talked about, um, and they, they were mentioning that. I know Bobby Pierce did. The track was a is, is more perfectly banked, I guess, than it had been, and that made it tougher, especially like in turn two. But uh, what Pierce uh, told me, uh, to really hold the car up there and, and make a pass like you normally would. It kind of um it, it, there was something missing there it wasn't able to really stick like you could so that was different and um and, and that maybe i don't know if that changed anything you're still a slide still was good i mean it just seemed like larson was really good i mean larson took the lead and, and he pulled away he led by a straightaway until a caution came out with 22 laps to go and and then bobby was i mean bobby ran his ass off to be able to just you know kind of stick with them and and there was a couple pots of build times when he almost was able to get him. I mean, if, if Bobby does pass him, then we probably look back at this race and be like, man, that was really, really good. You know, it, since he didn't and, and Larson just led from 31 to, to the end, it, it's more like, yeah, you look at that. Ah, it wasn't, it wasn't the, the, the dramatic finish that you would, but I mean, Bobby was there and, and, uh, and there was about 13 to go. Bobby had just, he was running. He comes up on him. Looked like he might have a shot. And right at that moment, Kyle Mark, Kyle Larson pulled up to the outside, started running the outside off of four. And Bobby said, as soon as he did that, I mean, I was, I was pretty much done. He had one other shot in, in lap traffic uh, to pull a slider and one. He might've been able to do it if Ricky Weiss wasn't there going into one with about eight to go, but he was, and, and, that, and that was about it. I mean, he couldn't make a move on the outside. Uh, just being, but that's Kyle Larson had a little sixth sense there. Also had some help from the video board in turn one, but uh, he, he made the move that really won the race right there. 
I, I was wondering about that because I've heard before that uh, Larson doesn't, you know, have signals. Like he doesn't have, you know, watch signals. I guess sprint right. cars don't really do that. And I was wondering, it seemed like he knew to get up at the right time as, as, as Bobby was coming. So, uh, and I never heard exactly if it was someone who signaled him or, but you're saying he saw, saw Bobby coming on the board. Yeah, he did see that. I mean, that board was right outside of turn one and, and Kyle even said it afterwards. He said, he told me, he goes, you know, uh, I don't think screens, big screens are big, are good for dirt track racing. I mean, <laughs> I, I, he actually came out of his mouth and I don't think they're good for dirt track racing. He goes, I've won probably three or four races this year. I mean, I know that all the outlaw races, the sprint cars and late mm -hmm. models uh, have those big screens. And he goes, I won three or four because I was able to see that big screen and uh, and know that somebody was coming. And uh, and and this one was one he, he he I mean probably knew had to know anyway. Bobby Pierce was going to be on the outside. I think he was informed of that well enough before that that would probably be where Bobby would be. Uh, and but still he just had he, and but he didn't run the cushion all the way around three and four if you notice he didn't just jump up there. He would run the middle and then a little closer to the cushion. Then he would hit it off of four just to break Bobby's momentum. And, and, and that's just, I, I think that was another example of just how good he is. I mean, obviously, he's in tune enough to watch the board. But he also – I mean, remember, some guys, sometimes you watch the board, you mess up. I know Stormy Scott admitted it, remember, <laughs> at, uh, mm -hmm. at, at, at Eldora when he was uh, leading the race and he looked up at the board and got over the cushion and lost the race. So – uh, I, I think he's a rare talent. He can get every, he, he can do everything. He can, he can race and chew gum at the same time. Right. He's going to say he can race and watch TV at the same time. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's uh multi-talented there. Uh, and with Larson winning, of course, you know, we've talked, I mean, I assume anyone listening to this podcast knows, you know, Larson's background, obviously NASCAR superstar at this point. Um, you know, everything that happened to him last season comes, comes back to dirt and uh, wins just all kinds of races, gets in the late models towards the end of last season. Um, you know, a sprint car background, I should say. And then uh, earlier this season, actually just earlier this month, he won uh, the Kings Royal at Eldora in a sprint car, uh, crown jewel of sprint car racing. And he comes and wins, uh, you know, a major event. I would call it a crown jewel at this point, the Prairie Dirt Classic and a dirt late model. So he's He's kind of done something that I don't, to my knowledge, no one has has come close to doing. And uh, so I was going to kind of lean on Todd here for some historical perspective. And again, I know we're a dirt late model podcast, but when you look at dirt track racing in general, Todd, is there anything that compares to this, to your knowledge, like anything you know what he's accomplished, uh, between, you know, sprint cars and dirt late models, and what he's been able to do? Is there anything you can kind of compare that to uh, from the past? I mean, in as far as somebody coming into dirt late models like this, no, nothing. I mean, maybe I could dig back through and find something. But I think that's the biggest thing with Larson is that his his lateral moves to these different disciplines, he's so good. You know, I, I remember, I mean, this is years ago when Steve Car Steve Kinzer went from the World of Outlaw Sprint Cars and was going to run some NASCAR. And, it, you know, just didn't do that well. You know, Donnie Schatz has run dirt late models. He's been, you know, he's won NLRA, NLRA races and, and had some success, but, but nowhere near made the splash Larson has. I think that's the thing that is 
with him particularly this is so dazzling is that he is so good from discipline to discipline and uh uh then that's what sets him apart that's that's what i kind of what i was thinking at fairbury the other night when he and pierce are racing and i know lots of guys lots of guys are great drivers but pierce and larson to watch those two guys both trying to wring everything they could out of their cars and staying up front those guys kind of have that extra extra level of like being able to you know go where it seems like other car drivers can't put their cars and to watch those two guys mix it up in that way you know and pierce kind of met his match pierce pierce might be that guy you know at the at your average Perry dirt classic and with larson there this year there he was uh being able to find his car get his car uh to where he could beat pierce but uh yeah larson i mean <laughs> You know, I, I I think I called him, and maybe Kevin in one of his story called him a wonder kind, which is not a not a word we throw around a lot in racing. But he's 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 the Renaissance man of of auto racing. I mean, he's he's you know, and I remember when I was a kid, AJ Foyt, and a lot of those guys moved around and stuff. But uh, at least for our perspective, from dirt late models to watch him. There's nobody that has done this and then goes to NASCAR and then goes to sprint cars and is winning the very biggest races in each one. So it's it's remarkable. It really is. I know I know people have complained about oh y'all talk about Larson too much and blah blah blah. I'm I I don't know what I don't know how to answer that. It, I mean, well, we're supposed to ignore the the driver that's winning the biggest races and all these all these disciplines. I mean it's it's amazing. Yeah, and I think that's one thing with him winning the the Prairie Dirt Classic is if there were people who questioned the amount of attention he is getting, whether it be from us as you know the media or uh, fans, um, you know, f- for when he comes into dirt late models, I think he justified it by you know he, he's won races, but but obviously and significantly when he won the Lucas Oil Race at Alltech, obviously dominated it, but to now have won the Prairie Dirt Classic, you know, arguably one of the biggest races of the year, one of the best fields of the year. I would say he's definitely justified the amount of attention that uh, that he is getting, putting aside all the, uh, you know, the, the the NASCAR stuff and the sprint car stuff. Um, you know, he's he's definitely you know, earned that uh, attention, I would say. Uh, and speaking of t- attention, I, I, I sometimes wonder what well, I, I'll be honest, I, I know what his uh, what he's doing and track racing in general, the attention that it's brought um, across the, the spectrum. So like. For me, I've never been a sprint car guy, open wheel guy. I've only ever really followed dirt late model racing ever because it's just what my family always did and what I what I did and then what I went into you know, professionally here um, as a career. So, But now I've sent him, and I'll say the Flow uh, Racing app and everything has helped as well and having streaming and everything. But with him being involved in all of it, it's kind of led to a little bit of a crossover where I'm actually paying attention, not, not a whole lot, but at least more than ever have to sprint car racing and other even open wheel modified other forms of racing. And I'm wondering if you guys see that maybe what he's doing uh, has an effect on the sport uh, and kind of what, what's your take on that? And I'll start with you, Robert. Have, have you been watching any sprint car races or, or maybe found yourself following it a little more because of Larson? Or, or do you feel like that's something that we may see in the sport kind of more crossover uh, between fans and, and, and maybe even racers, other racers as well? For me personally, you know, I'm a, I'm a, when it comes to anything other than late model racing, and I've said this time and time again, I'm a late model snob, and uh, I, I will read headlines. Uh, I definitely, I definitely check out the headlines from, uh, from all the apps and all the stuff and, and everything that we have. Uh, so I'll look at the sprint uh, car headlines, and obviously you see 
Kyle Larson's name in there a lot. I'll look at the NASCAR headlines and obviously see Kyle Larson's name in there a lot. Uh, you know, one thing that, you know, with me being uh, this past weekend uh, busy with the, the Southern Nationals, I didn't really hear a lot of chatter about what was going on at Fairbury uh, where, I, where I was. I didn't hear... I didn't honestly. I didn't hear Kyle Larson's name one time in four nights until I was leaving uh, Taswell on Saturday. And when I walked out of the gate, there was ten laps left to go at um, at Fairbury. And that's because I know that because I walked out of the gate towards my car, and I had to walk past the souvenir trailers, and uh, the 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 t-shirt guys were actually watching it. And so when I, I could hear the broadcast, and so I walked up and listened to the last 10 laps. I didn't want to like walk up in their trailer or, or ask them to turn their screen around. So I, I stood there, though, and listened to the last 10 laps. So I thought it was interesting that the whole time I was there, you know, through these three nights, of, and even, even the next day, no one said a word to me. No one said, hey, what about that Kyle Larson? Nobody in the pit area to me. I didn't hear his name, so um, I don't. I don't think that that's maybe everybody that was attentive to Fairbury was either at Fairbury or still hung over from Fairbury, or you know I, I don't really don't really know why that is, and I can't put my finger on that. But um, uh, as far as as far you know, I don't even I don't even think I answered your question, but uh, I'm just saying there wasn't a lot of noise, you know, from 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 that particular event where I was. Now, as far as the crossover and stuff goes, you know, I really feel like that I will, uh, I will, there was a time when I didn't even pay attention to headlines from NASCAR, but because of Kyle Larson, I will at least read the headlines. And when I see that he's won something or done something, I will actually pick up my phone and text my brother. I'm like, damn it, you know, Larson, Damn Larson, man, he's good. He did it again, or, you know, something like that, or you know. So, um, so that's where that's my perspective, and I do think that people, I do have, I've, I've seen on Facebook that people who are, you know, there are a lot of people out there that really hate NASCAR right now. I mean, it, let's let's face it, old school people who don't like change, uh, they, they're they don't like NASCAR. But I've seen some of them say on Facebook, yeah, I've you know, watch the last 10 laps because of Larson or, or I started watching it because of Larson. So I do think that you, you'll have that, that crossover. And I do, th I don't think he's bad for our sport. You know, I think you'll have that crossover and, and it's, it's probably helping a little bit. Uh, uh, you know, what do you think, Kev? Uh, I, I def there's no doubt that he's helping. I, I think he's helping everything like Joshua mentioned, uh, I, I remember just I, I've seen this. Mark Richards has uh, has tweeted it. I mean, obviously, I've talked to him about it, and he's like, "Man, that that obviously he thinks he's great driver." You know, he he had said that back in Port Royal, the first time he got last August, and first time Kyle Larson got in a car, he said he watched two laps of hot laps, and he said this guy isn't is going to be a contender right from the start. I mean, he just knows how to drive a race car, knows where to go on the track, um, and and it's just, the way he. 
everybody he brings so much to this sport now i guess you could say because like you said there there there's uh people are watching nascar a little bit more i mean nascar does they need for dirt track people especially they need uh some interest from this side of the sport uh and because they've lost a lot i mean a lot of most of the lot most of the guys that are in nascar the drivers they don't really have much of a background they they were never big stars on the dirt track circuit i mean you, you really you think about it, most of them uh since tony stewart left i mean who 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 was the guys that you know would be like man they won a lot hey they might have had one good year i mean tyler reddick is a dirt late model guy but Let's let's think about that. He won. He's won two late model races in his career, and and that was more of like that was the stepping stone. I mean, that was a whole trajectory. They were, you know, he got a couple. He got attention being a very young driver as a dirt late model guy and running well in outlaw race and you know qualifying at thirteen or maybe he was ten years old. We're not even sure, but <laughs> but uh, but anyway, he uh, it, it's we don't have that, and now we have this with this Kyle Larson, but he's from sprint cars and he's from late models and heck if he got in a modified a ump modified or a big block modified he he'd win in one of them too there's no doubt he's, he's that good uh so so we have somebody now and and then when uh and nascar people now they have a guy that they see that if they didn't know anything about him they see this guy going to Na- to these dirt track races and winning so they're interested in him because i know there were some people at that at fairbury there looked like they were just kyle larson fans they were like because they were just hanging around his car and stuff and so there's definitely uh it, it's, it's helping both ways yeah, yeah, I was going to say if you had to pick someone to bridge the gap between dirt racing and NASCAR, which that gap has been, as you know, we could talk about, and that's a whole other topic, but it has been widening for years now. Um, he was the perfect candidate to do it because not just, you know, he's doing it from you know all facets of dirt, dirt track racing, kind of bringing that interest maybe a little bit back to NASCAR and then vice versa, bringing some NASCAR folks perhaps to, to dirt track racing. Robert, do you have something you wanted to add? Well, you know, I wrote this note down before we started. You know, that to me, Kyle Larson, he is a great dirt racer who just happens to be dabbling in NASCAR. You know, that's kind of, that's kind of the way I, I'm looking at him right now. I mean, right. he's just a great race car driver and a great dirt racer who happens to be dabbling, dabbling over there in NASCAR. And uh, I'll throw this out, and this might be a, a topic for later on as, as well, but I, I, I spoke with someone who, who has pretty good knowledge of, of both worlds and so this is a really good source um and this person told me that there are a couple of other high profile nascar guys who really want to run dirt late models like larson's doing they just want they need the right opportunity you know they don't want to run crates they don't want to they want to and they don't want to, you know, back in the day, remember when we used to go to the track and it'd be like a match race between Kenny Schrader and Dale Earnhardt or something, and they'd jump in somebody else's race car. And, and that's not even, it wasn't even really competitive. You're just like, you're really there for autographs, you know? And so that that's not even fun. But there are a couple of guys out there who are looking for competitive rides. And, you know, this person also told me if those aren't competitive rides and once those guys aren't having fun doing that, then they'll like, eh, I'm out, you know? So, but, uh, but there are, there are a couple of guys out there. I've, I've heard that, that are looking for competitive dirt late model rides. 
yeah, for those NASCAR drivers wanting to, you know, run some dirt late model stuff, I think the the bar has been set pretty high, and their their expectations for if and and when they do. Todd, what what uh, what's your take on on that there? One thing I've appreciated about Larson, and I, I mean, I barely talked to him and do not know him at all, but his uh, he seems so genuine and gracious about this whole thing. You know, you know, sometimes guys come into another sport or or they're winning, they don't say the right things. They seem maybe a little pompous or 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 a little bit like, oh, I'm just over here, just you know, messing around. Uh, Larson, he not only is taking it very seriously, but he's like clearly has like kind of embraced the sport. And this guy has a million things going on, and I'm sure he's got NASCAR commitments out the wazoo. But clearly, when he when he has his time carved out for late model racing, he really is 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 taking it very seriously. He actually he actually knows the other drivers' names. He knows the tendencies of other drivers. He talks about watching videos ahead of time. I mean, I. That impresses me, and 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 to me, I mean, I feel like I'm the kind of guy that would kind of like sniff that out if like somebody isn't for real. He just seems, I mean, he just seems so likable and such a great addition to the sport. And, and maybe the only the only complaint about it is that that he indeed is taking money from other people. Now, Kevin Rumley, his team is a dirt late model program, and he he obviously is winning money from this too, and he's putting it back into the sport. So so maybe that's not a not a big deal. But it is funny how some of the other drivers have made you know Tanner English and Bobby Pierce have both made cracks in Victory Lane about him. You know, it's like I wish she wasn't taking our money, but. But you want to beat the best too, and 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 Larson has proved he's the best. So clearly, if Larson goes to the next big race he goes to, and somebody outruns him, they're gonna feel great about beating him. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I, I I really appreciate Larson's uh, uh, approach to to coming into the sport. I think it's been it's been refreshing, and I I really I really appreciate him. Todd put that perfectly, really. I, I, I'll admit that, like, when even when he was leading the race, I'm, I, it gets, I'm, you know, I'm a late model person now. So, I mean, I'm like a dirt track person, and and I see NASCAR driver coming in and and win. I mean, I'm like, man, I, there is a there's a little thing inside my head that's going like, man, I really wish that, you know, I, I want the late model guy to win, and I know, and I'm, and I could guarantee that all those late model guys are thinking in that, and they have that way back in that recesses of their head too. That, man, this guy is beating us. I mean, they're it, this, they're they're competitive. They don't want to lose, but not just because it's a NASCAR guy too. I mean, I mean, like they they do just want to win. They don't want the interloper to beat them, but. I, I know it's got to be in their head, but then the, the guy, like Todd said, is so damn likable and so goddamn, you know, into it. He's not come. He's not just showing up, uh, taking this ride and just getting the hell out of there. You know, I mean, he came to Fairbrook. This is his vacation. I've seen a lot of these NASCAR drivers tweet and stuff. They're on vacations. This, they hadn't had two two weeks in the middle of the summer. It's weird for them to not have a race. And they're they're on vacation with doing something somewhere, going to the beach, going to here, here there, going to the, the the islands or something. Here's uh, Kyle Larson comes to Fairbury, Bay, uh, pays twenty dollars to some lady who lives a neighbor of the racetrack to to park in her yard because he didn't know where to park when he even got there. Uh, and then he's up until six forty-five or so in the morning on Friday, hanging out. I mean, he's playing beer pong. With these, with all the late model guys in the pit area, at until like four or five in the morning, just hanging out, and 
and and that's that's actually why I guess he did he he did have to apologize. He didn't get to suave talk on and three o'clock uh, on the bus there because <laughs> he was supposed to be on there, but they said like ah he was up a little late. Like he is taking he is resting. But I mean how do you how do you get on a guy when he does that? And then after the race on Saturday. He wins the race, and I, I was actually talking with him to him to him in his in the trailer, um, and when he got away from the crowd, because there was a huge crowd around his car as soon as the race was over, and and, and Derek and I were in there with him, and and uh, we're talking to him, and, and as we're we're speaking, here's uh, Brandon Overton walks in, Stormy Scott walks in, and they're like, you know, jo- you know, just busting balls with him, you know, talking to him like, you know, and, and Kyle Larson's, you know, like I. You know, Woody Brandon, I beat you. You know, I told you know, and then boss, he's like, I was coming for you. I was coming for you, Kyle. You know, so it just, I mean, they like him. I think even though they really probably all the drivers would like to be able to not have somebody uh, coming in there taking their money, they all can't not like the guy. And then I saw a tweet uh, from I think it was Jacqueline Rumley, Kevin's wife, three or four in the morning. Every, there was still a crowd. They had a, a, a speaker playing uh, music right outside of, of the Rumley trailer. Four in the morning, they're still there. And they're right in the middle of the picture is Kyle Larson just talking with every fan. He's so accessible, too. I mean, I remember Tony Stewart came to some dirt races. I remember him. Or, you know, he ran a big block down at Volusia years ago. And, God, uh, he pushed a photographer, and it was like a big thing, you know. Like, I mean, I can't I don't know if I could ever see Kyle Larson doing that. And, you know, I mean, he's just so – uh, he, he really gets along with the fans. It's really, it's really a neat situation when you see it up close. Yeah, he's definitely kind of embraced it, as you guys mentioned, and endured himself to, I think, dirt track fans and dirt late model fans. And, and I think part of that is you kind of, as you guys kind of alluded to, you expect NASCAR guys to not do that. You expect them to kind of fly in on their helicopter maybe and fly out, <laughs> um, you know, as some mm-hmm. have done. And uh, for him to come in, I think he's, you know, that's one reason he's, you know, the, the sport is uh, our, our end of the sport is embracing him because of the way he's done it. Um, and of course, he's he benefits from, you know, NASCAR's schedule is not as uh, ex- extensive as it used to be for drivers with, uh, you know, with practice days and qualifying days. I mean, they, uh, you know, they, they do everything in a day um, these days, whereas used to when they went to a, a NASCAR race was a whole weekend for drivers and, and he's not doing all the amount of racing with the different series on the NASCAR side as, as some of the guys. So he's able to, to, to be a little more free, although I'm sure he, he has plenty of commitments he has to deal with on the NASCAR side. Um, he has perhaps maybe a little more time to, to focus on the dirt track stuff and be more involved with it when he does get to come to the track. I think it's enough about Kyle, Kyle Larson before we start making some more <laughs> <Yeah>. people mad <laughs> about how much we <laughs> talk about him. But, but again, it is, it's just yeah. impressive what he's done. So, um, so yeah, if you, if you're tired of hearing about him, we apologize, um, but we had – I mean, what, what can you say? <laughs> but we do have other stuff to talk about, and one thing is a big weekend of racing coming up. Uh, the USA Nationals is another 50000 to win uh, event for the World of Outlaws up there at Cedar Lake, which uh, Kevin will be covering. But besides that, we have, I, I believe, 33000 to win at Merritt uh, Speedway in Michigan, the Wood uh, Wood Tick uh, event, which is always a big event, but it's huge, you know, bigger even this year uh, with the, the added money um, making it bigger. And then uh, Virginia Motor Speedway has – $20,000 on Saturday for the uh, uh, USA 100. So a lot going on. The Ironman Series has a couple of 10,000 to win races. West Virginia Motor Speedway has a 10,000 to win race. I think there's a 10,000 to win crate race. I'm not looking at the list right now, but there's just a lot going on. So what we're going to do is uh, kind of as a preview here for the weekend coming up, 
as each of us say one thing we're going to be watching for at Cedar Lake, a storyline you're watching for, and then just pick one of those other races, whatever it may be. Uh, one other thing you're watching at a race that is you know, not Cedar Lake this weekend. So, Robert, I'll start with you. What do you got? What's something you, you'll have your eye on at Cedar Lake and something you'll have your eye on elsewhere? Uh, well, uh, at Cedar Lake, you know, there hasn't, uh, first of all, there hadn't been a, a repeat in um, like nine races. Uh, so, so they've gone nine, nine different winners and Josh Richards was the last guy to repeat that was in 2011 and 2016. Uh, so, uh, I'm definitely looking to see if, uh, if they continue that trend and it's going to, I think it's going to be tough personally, you know, uh, to continue the trend of, of nine straight years, uh, the different winner be 10 coming up. So, uh, I definitely have my eye on that. And, and of course I, I can't, as an old guy, I can't move on without throwing back to last year's top five and, and just how ageless that top five was. You know, when you, when you look back at the top five, you had Overton who, who won it, but the top five, you know, Eckert, Mars, Bloomquist and Moyer, that was the top five last year. So, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think that, I don't know if we're going to, you know, see anything like that again for a long time. Uh, obviously with, with Bloomquist and Moyer uh, out of the picture at the moment, um, Moyer, I guess permanently. So, uh, so that's what, you know, I kind of got my eye on that on Cedar Lake, uh, uh, for that. And then of course you talked about, uh, elsewhere, you talked about Marriott, you know, it's going to be a great payday for somebody, $33,000. And I'm looking to see if somebody like, uh, Dona or Travis or Rusty, I'm not even saying last names because there's one of those guys in there whose last name I can't pronounce. So somebody may be like, uh, uh, Rusty, Travis. Dona, somebody like that can pick up a career high uh, payday of $33,000 up there at Merritt. Uh, it's going to be a great weekend for somebody up there in the Michigan area. It's it's Schlink. I'm sure you were talking about Rusty Schlink that you couldn't pronounce yeah. his last name right. <laughs> stim, stim, it was Stimler. Sorry. I, I just, okay. Somebody just whispered in my ear, Stimler. Yes. All right. Uh, Todd, what, what about you? What do you, what do you got for the uh, one thing at Cedar Lake and one thing elsewhere? I think Cedar Lake is, you know, Overton goes back as the winner and, 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 and you look back at his last couple of weeks and you're like, he's human. You know, he was on that unbelievable tear. And, and that's one thing that endlessly, endlessly fascinates me about dirt late Mar racing is how, how somebody can be on top of the world, which Overton was, and then they can all of a sudden look normal. And so, and, and Overton recognizes this. He, he talked about it all the time at Eldora when he was winning those races and, you know, why is this happening to me? I don't deserve this and all that. Uh, but, but now he is facing the true reality of it. So, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, going back to, you know, uh, uh, a race he won last year, you know, kind of, I don't know about puts the pressure on him, but I'm sure he would like to turn things around there after, <laughs> after being, uh, uh, you know, he won that first race at IED, but then has, has been kind of in the, just in the pack the last, uh, the last several races after that. Um, so other than Cedar Lake, I, I think Robert's right. It's hard to, it's not hard not to think about anything but merit. And you wonder, you know, are are those Michigan guys going to be able to fight off? Um, you know, if some other guys come up there, they they fared pretty well when the World of Outlaws used to go up there. You know, Spangler won a race, and I guess Nisa ran up front one time. Uh, they've they've done pretty well there, so uh, so it's it, I don't think it's any any guarantee if um, if uh, some other other drivers decide to head that way that they that they will go up there and you know clean clean up and take the money. So. Uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see, and that's uh, you know merit. You know the racing there can can be good, 
Uh, they've also had some duds there. So, so let's hope they at least have a good race that makes it, uh, makes it competitive and give somebody maybe a chance to come up uh, through the field a little bit if, if, if they don't start up front. But, uh, uh, but you know, Michigan, it, it's a little bit, uh, it's kicked around a little bit as like not, not that great a late model racing and maybe that overall the state may be a little bit down a notch from, uh, from some others. So, man, it's hard to argue what they've, you know, the, the money they have up there now with that all-star performance series and, and some of the other stuff, those guys can, can, you know, all drive within about four hours and, and run some pretty good races all year long without even leaving the state. And this, this weekend particularly, uh, you know, puts a cap on that for sure. Yeah, I've, I've mentioned that multiple times uh, going back to Fast Talk last year and even on this, this podcast since we started it earlier this year, how uh, the Michigan area and the amount of racing that they can do up there, um, you know, for, for good money is pretty impressive. And and I think uh, I think the, the drivers there are benefiting from it and, you know, kind of raising their game up a little bit. I feel like, um, you know, they're not as uh, I feel like they're a little better than perhaps given credit for we saw it with summer nationals coming up there last year and a lot of those guys had had good runs but uh but yes definitely something to keep an eye on there what about you kevin what do you got uh yeah cedar lake i'm gonna be interested in seeing who exactly shows up will all these big races affect that uh, <clears throat> car count because you know that's it's cedar lake has always had a little bit more of a struggle of, of drawing the cars there for the for the usa nationals because it's so far up there it's it's a it's not a right in the it's a long drive for almost everyone and there's not super late models uh it's not really super late model territory either so uh it, now you got our there's never been three twenty thousand dollar to win plus races uh, 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 on the same weekend with it, uh, you know, I mean, you got with merit and then the Virginia motor speedway. I mean, uh, that's, you, there's a lot of choices there. And I, there's, there's certainly going to be a, at least a few drivers that might go to Cedar Lake, uh, in a normal year, if it was the only real big thing going this weekend, uh, that are going to look at it and be like, man, you know, I could go. This the the pickings are going to be better for me now if I go to Virginia Motor for twenty grand, or if I go to Merritt for thirty three grand. I mean, there, there's just more options, and you know, of course, you said all these other races too with other five uh, figure races that are around the uh, the, the country. So that's going to be a tough one, and and also uh, uh, and then uh, otherwise uh, the the Merritt, I, I really like that. And from like you're talking about with uh, uh, the Michigan late model racing, that's really they've gotten a nice little compact uh, uh, area there now with some good. It's kind of like it most should be a model for some other regions of the country now, uh, the, how you can kind of work together and some tracks and some uh, and everybody have some big races and and not have to have guys uh, go. You know, guys don't even have to leave the state now and they could get the races that that are, you know, you know, not these two thousand dollar to win races. There are a lot of four thousand, five thousand, six thousand in the tens uh, that they can run. So I, 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 I'm, I like that for uh, for Merit and now they get their real big show. I mean, maybe they can create this Merit race. Uh, into like the big money race of the state now. 1,251 miles, uh, Kevin. That's how far it is from Brandon Overton's shop in Georgia to Cedar Lake. You look at uh, other guys having to travel further, I don't know if we'll see a guy come from further away to win that race until maybe Kyle Bronson can win it. Uh, you know, 
that'd be a little over 1500 miles and i know these guys don't come directly from their shops all the time directly from home because they're out there traveling and they kind of have satellite shops and they they park at walmart but they you know they park at different people's shops and work on stuff but if you look at it from from that perspective of how far they are from home cedar lake you're right is way up there uh you know joshua if your brother could go up there and win it 1282 <laughs> miles that's, yeah, a that's, that's a long way. That's a long way. You know, so uh, so yeah, it, it, you're right, Kev. It is a long way up there, and there are a lot of races out there right now that offer other opportunities that that don't involve quite that much travel. Yes, definitely, it's a long haul, and uh, you know, for a regional team like my brother and them, just getting to Fairbury was from Florida was was quite the the trip. So you know, trying to go even farther uh, to get all the way up to Cedar Lake, you know, one day would be nice, but, uh, it's, it's a, it's a long haul for sure. One thing I'll be watching for at Cedar Lake, uh, Todd kind of mentioned this with, with Overton bouncing back, but I'm going to say Jonathan Davenport, you know, he's kind of, uh, his hot streak has cooled a bit. Um, you know, he's going back to a place he's, he's been pretty good in the past. So, uh, see if he can kind of, kind of regain some momentum, uh, you know, and, and going, especially going back as the Lucas Oil series gets back going and that title chase picks back up kind of for the, the home stretch or I'll say home stretch, but second half of the season here, uh, if he can pick up some momentum and get going there. Uh, and then elsewhere, I'll be watching Devin Moran. I saw that he is planning on heading to West Virginia Motor Speedway on Friday and uh, just watch him because he's seemed to have some bad luck every time he's gone into West Virginia lately with a, uh, with flat tires um, while leading at both yeah. uh, both West Virginia and Beckley. Um, so see if he can shake those that bad luck. And then I see he has on his schedule TBA for Saturday. So I'll be interested to see if he heads back to the Ironman series or if he comes on down to uh, Virginia Motor to run for 20000 um, And not just him. There's a lot of guys that's like, who's going where? And that, but that's just an example of, you know, uh, where is he going to go with all that money on the line, um, you know, come Saturday. So something to watch for there. Okay, so we will uh, we'll wrap up this episode like we do with every episode, our one more thing segment where we go around our virtual roundtable here and each one of us mention one more thing that stood out to us from the past week, whether it's news, results, uh, or, or whatever that stood out to us and we feel like is worth mentioning. Uh, I'll start with Todd on this one this week. Todd, what do you got? Uh, I'm going to promo uh, the weekly notebook that's appearing Thursday at DirtOnDirt.com. It's about Kentucky driver Jeff Watson, who's... Uh, Racing garage burned last week uh, in the middle of basically his best season, his winningest season. Um, and uh, remarkably, the garage was kind of connected, and there's a couple different bays. His crate late model, he was actually able to race. Uh, it is scorched with black. You'll have to, if you can get a pic, check out a picture of it. Uh, he was able to race on Saturday. His super late model was actually burned burned up in much of his equipment so it's a really really uh tough story and, and maybe even the worst part is it is all his family's racing memorabilia uh was in that garage as well and his father uh finn watson who's going to be next week uh, a lifetime achievement honoree at the national uh, late model hall of fame uh um all of his um he had body panels from his pulse pipeline car uh, trophies, uh, a fire suit, a helmet, uh, all kinds of old clippings and stuff. And obviously, um, you know, that stuff can't be replaced. You know, Jeff can have another race car. He can have, you know, replace some of that racing equipment. But that memorabilia that he lost is really, really, uh, when I talked to him, he still count, sounded kind of shell-shocked about it. I mean, it's, so it's been, uh, it's a rough deal. But I appreciate his, uh, 
you know, he wants to get back out there and keep racing and keep, um, you know, keep up this great season, even despite uh, uh, this fire with this garage. So check out that story Thursday at uh, dirtondirt.com. Yeah, really, uh, really hate to hear about that, and uh, hope the hope the best there is uh, they kind of recover and get get back to racing there. I know it's a tough deal. Uh, Robert, what about you? What do you got for one more thing? Oh, I'm I'm gonna just uh, kind of look at look ahead to to what we got here in the South. Uh, Ten thousand dollars to win race at Ponderosa, a ten thousand thirty seven dollar to win limited late model race at, at Wartburg. Uh, and then, of course, the races at Virginia Motor. I just think that the the weekend itself, uh, and not only that, there are more than a dozen three thousand plus races out there this weekend that that you can check out. Uh, get out of the house, uh, enjoy these these last months of summer. Uh, you know, if you don't have kids in school yet, go out there to a racetrack and and check out a regional race or something because there are plenty of them out there right now. Yes, definitely a lot going on. Kevin, what do you got? Uh, I was going to go back to Fairbury because <clears throat> I didn't really mention this uh, earlier when we were talking about uh, uh, Kyle Larson. But, I mean, the, the weekend there was pretty incredible. I mean, that, if that wasn't the biggest crowd ever <clears throat> at Fairbury, then I don't know what was because it seemed like there were people everywhere. <laughs> I mean, there were people parked on the, the – they're camped out at the on the – baseball field across the street at the school. I mean, everywhere you look, there were cars uh, parked and, and campers and people. It just was, it was really a good atmosphere. And, and it, it started on Thursday <clears throat> when I got there. Uh, uh, and the, they didn't have racing. Remember, they, I, Fairbury could put another race in, like these three-day races that are, that are all out there. I mean, they, there's no doubt that they could run a, a full program on Thursday at World of Outlaws and, and make money on it. Uh, but instead, they just keep that as like a socializing fun day. And and I think that really adds to the weekend. It, it was really, really cool because you got there and uh, people, I mean, there a lot of people had played golf, you know, they, I mean, they had a golf tournament and some of the drivers even participated in the golf course right next to the racetrack. And that was all afternoon. And I heard that went a little longer than normal because uh, Rick Eckert, just a little offshoot here, Rick Eckert played. He said there were like some, wasn't just foursomes. I mean, there was like six or eight people in some of these groups. And he, and Rick had said there were so damn many people in the groups that by the time the last guy win, everybody forgot where they hit the ball. And then, and he goes, it, it was, we're walking around looking for the balls and we couldn't find them, you know, and it, it, it made even longer. I mean, I think they were out there six, seven, eight hours. It was a long day, but I can, and Rick's like, why can't they do, we we're just, throw a new ball out there already it's not they're not cheap you know i mean they're not expensive but but i, I digress there but so <laughs> but you know and after that on thursday they had an auction which you know for all the I mean, base over thirty thousand dollars for the shriners and that and there was a great crowd for that and then they had a band from until like nine to midnight something like that i mean just it just the the drivers were all out because they were all there parked and they were out there hanging out they were uh, the crew guys are having fun. I mean, and the fans, are, and they were all interacting with the fans. It, it just, that wouldn't have happened. Uh, I mean, people come in the pits and after the races and stuff, uh, you know, and they're still in, but that, that wouldn't have happened if there was a race that night. The the way that with the, the, just the easygoing uh, nature of the, of the night. So I was really happy with that. And, and, and it was great to see so many people there because I mean, there was a heck, you could see the pent up 
demand for the PDC after not having it last year. That was one race where like, man, people were there ready to go because there hadn't been the, you know, the, the COVID uh, restrictions stopped them from having it last year. So people were ready for it. Uh, I'm going to, for my one more thing, I'm going to go back to uh, February as well. And I'm going to mention, uh, give a shout out to Ashton Winger. He, uh, he qualified. And um, if those who are following along to the weekend very closely, the, the way the draw shook out and the group shook out, if you were late in group A, um, you, you had a bad draw. If you were the last guy in group A, that was the worst place to be. I think it was Shannon Babb who would have been, was you know, mid-pack in group A. And if he'd have been one car later in group B, he'd have been like third or something. But Ashton Winger was one of those guys that was kind of bit by the draw, qualified 35th in group A out of 37 cars. And then he manages uh, to pass, I think I counted up, it was like 14 or, or something cars in total between his prelim feature on Friday night and his B main on Saturday to make the show uh, and race his way in. And I know, I think he ended up mid-pack, I think 18th or something like that in the feature. And it's probably not what he was uh, hoping for after the way he's been running on summer nationals, but uh, you know, to overcome the kind of a bad luck situation there with the draw and, and at least make the show uh, the way he did was, was I, I thought was pretty impressive, kind of flew under the radar, but I definitely, uh, definitely was, was watching it and saw it and impressed me. So that's my one more thing. And I think that's going to do it for this week's episode. We appreciate everyone listening and uh, we'll be back next week with uh, a yet another edition. So y'all have a great week. 